It's good to be in God's house this morning, amen? And Sunday school is dismissed, so kids can head off. For the young people, uh, for our young people, um, this morning we're not going to have our youth class, because if you've spoken to Sister Janie this morning, you will understand that she can't talk. (laughs) She seems to have completely lost her voice, which makes for some really interesting conversations at home. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Sunday school kids head out. Everyone, let's find our chairs this morning. You may also notice this morning just waiting for the Sunday school kids to head out. <laughs> you may notice this morning that I'm standing a little bit lower than what I was last week. And uh Brother Kenneth, I could come off here without busting my knee. <laughs> And I could probably even get up there, although we do have stairs on the side as well. It's a little taller than what we had in the old place. But uh, it's nice. This is a good size. I like it. And I'm very grateful to uh, the men of our church and the ladies as well who came to help yesterday. We put about four or five hours into the church yesterday just cleaning, vacuuming. Brother Barna vacuumed the whole place at least once. Um, ran all the cables, set everything up. It was really great. And then, and on um, Friday night, I'm very grateful to the men from Pastor Post Church from Pentecostals of Cairns. Uh, we were here till about 11.30 on Friday night, um, straight from work. All of us came straight from work. We came here and we cut the stage down, put it all back together. And the result, I think, is quite good. I'm quite happy with it. So, so yeah, it's good. I'm sorry. Sister Jane is just reminding me that there were people here, including myself, on Thursday night too, and they came and helped as well. So it was a big project. Um, So I'm grateful to everybody who was involved. Thank you. So praise the Lord. It's really frustrating. My wife has lost her voice, and I can't read lips, so... I've got to get to like within about half a meter to see what she's trying to tell me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, let's get to the word of the Lord this morning. Why don't we all stand and we're going to open in prayer. I'm hoping that I got the live stream stuff all plugged back in correctly after we unplugged everything. So I guess we'll figure it out when I look at YouTube later on. Let's just open in prayer this morning though, precious Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can be here today. We thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can serve you. Thank you that we can stand in liberty, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our church, Lord Jesus. Father, as we open up your word, Lord, as we learn, as we study, I pray you'd be with us. Lead and guide us, Lord. Have your way, we pray. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. 
you got your Bibles, we're going to read a little bit this morning. We've been talking in the book of Galatians. That's where we're kind of focusing for the last two weeks. This is the third week now. And we're looking at this idea of Christian liberty. What does it mean to stand in liberty? Because in many cases, many Christians get it wrong. Some Christians are too far on the side of, shall we call it, liberty. And they believe that you can just do whatever you want to do. Just live however you want to live. It doesn't matter. It's okay. We live in a time of grace. Just however you want to live doesn't matter. God doesn't care because He saved us. He loves us. God is love. Everything's great, right? Do what you want to do. And we know that's not right. God's Word has clear expectations of us. But of course, the other side of the extreme is this idea of legalism, where we feel like we have to do things because if we don't, we're not saved. You must look a certain way. You must act a certain way. You must behave a certain way. Because if you don't, you're not going to be saved. right? And we can go too far that way and be too legalistic, and we're not living by faith. And we're not operating and walking in grace. And so that's what we're going to continue to talk about this morning. And when you read the letter of Galatians, often um, it, it seems to come across as angry. Paul is really passionate about what he's saying. And I think it comes from his background because he used to be like that. He used to be the one who tried to live up to every single part of the law of Moses. He tried to just, he was super legalistic. He was like, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. That's why he persecuted the Christians so much. Right, Because they were saying, oh no, Jesus saved us, we're in the new covenant, we don't have to obey those laws anymore, that's the old covenant, right? And Paul persecuted them, because he was very legalistic. But then he was saved, and he understood how grace and faith work together, right? And this is why he's so passionate, and he comes across as anger, because these people have infiltrated his church in Galatia. These Judaizers, remember we, we used that term last week. These are people who said, well, yes, Jesus saved you, but you still need to do this, and you still need to do that, and you still need to live like this, and you still got to obey this, Lord. You can't eat that, and you can't do this, and you can't wear that. And, and they were saying, you're not saved unless you follow all these rules. And so Paul was angry almost, it seems. He's so passionate about what's going on. And so in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 1. Say amen when you're there. I'm going to read it in the NLT this morning just to give you a little bit of a different kind of, you know, maybe a little bit of understanding, a little bit of a um, maybe easier words to understand this morning. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this. You ready? It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen. I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. He's saying if you count on fulfilling the law of Moses, if you count on following what Moses told you, it is pointless Jesus dying. It's not going to affect you because you're saying, no, I'm not trusting in the sacrifice Jesus made for me. I'm going to fulfill the law of Moses. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the law of Moses. 
He's saying, hold up, don't you understand that if you want to follow just this law in the law of Moses, then you've got to follow the whole law. You can't just pick part of it and say, well, I'll follow that and trust Jesus for the rest. No, it's not a bit of that and a bit of this and a little bit of that over here. No, it's you've got to pick and choose which one you're going to live for and which one is going to guide your life. And Paul is saying, why would you go back to the law of Moses? That's not living in faith by what Jesus did for you. It's not living in grace. He says, so if you want to obey just one part of the law, well, then you've got to obey the whole law. And it's a different gospel. It's a different gospel. For if you are trying, he says, to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. He's saying if you're just trusting in that, there's no point waiting for the righteousness that Jesus gives us through his sacrifice. Because you're trusting in something else. You're believing in something else. Paul goes on. He says, you are running the race so well. What has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Paul realized, however, he was saying, hang on, I'm, I'm realizing here that there's potential here that people are going to get confused. What do I mean by freedom? And this is where people are confused today. They say, well, no, we don't follow the law. But then they go, well, we don't follow any law because we just trust Jesus, right? And that is a misunderstanding of what Paul meant by freedom. So Paul goes on. He explains how this freedom operates. In Galatians chapter 5, skip down to verse 13. Paul writes, he says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. See, this is the problem when we don't understand what liberty is in a Christian sense. People just say, oh, well, I can live however I want to live. So I'll do whatever I want to do. I'll go party. I'll go drink. I'll go do drugs. I'll go hang out with wrong people. I'll have bad relationships. Why? Oh, Jesus loves me. It's okay. No, it doesn't work like that. That is satisfying the sinful nature. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You're not free to do that. You don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, he writes... He says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That is why we've been freed, to serve one another in love. And Paul goes on. He says, quoting Jesus now, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So what does all this mean? Paul is declaring that we have been saved to stand in freedom and that God has directed us to stand on that gospel message. Remember, the underlying scripture that we've been speaking about in Galatians is found in Galatians chapter 1. It's about verse 9. But if we 
or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Paul is saying you've got to stand firm on the gospel that has been delivered to the church. You cannot go to the right. You cannot go to the left. You can't turn around. Stand on the gospel that God has given you. And that means standing in liberty. That means standing in freedom. Amen. And there are some things. You know, there are some things we've just got to decide. It's settled. It's not going to change. You know, we have, we have things like that in our household. You know, and if you find for those of you who have kids perhaps younger kids, you understand that having boundaries for your kids is important, right? Jonathan, when he was like two, knew he wasn't allowed to touch the oven. That was a boundary. There were consequences if he touched the oven. Why? Because we hate him? No, because we love him, because we don't want him to get burned. Hello? I see like parents and kids swapping glances and talking to each other and what am I doing? <laughs> but there are some things that need to be settled. There are some things that need to be unchangeable in our life, and the gospel is one of them. The gospel is something that cannot change. The gospel of Jesus Christ was settled over 2,000 years ago. It's not going to change just because some man says it changes, just because culture says it changes, just because some other circumstance happens and says, oh, well, we'll just we'll discount. No, the gospel will not change. Amen. It's like Jesus. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. It's forever settled in heaven. Amen. The issue that is facing the church today is more about what does our freedom in Christ look like? What does that look like? And like I said, some people have taken this really nonchalant, do whatever you want to do kind of approach. Others have taken this whole really judgmental approach where, you know, you got to do this and do that and follow this rule. And here's, here's a list of 729 rules for membership in the church. It's rubbish, right? That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about, amen? And so we have to make a choice between justification by the law and justification by Christ. We have to choose how we are going to live our lives, whether we are going to live our lives trying to tick every single possible checkbox we can find or live our lives according to the grace that God has given us, amen? Paul states that when we choose to live by the law or when we choose to live legalistically, we have fallen from grace. We're not in grace anymore. Instead of trusting that Jesus will work with us to help us, we're saying, well, no, God, you can't help me. I know what I need to do for you. I'm going to do this and this and this. And God said, well, you don't want my help. That's no way to live. We can't live our lives without the help of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Once we cross into legalistic works, we are no longer justified by grace. And Paul was adamant about this issue. He was categorical about it. He said there was a choice that they were making, and it was a dangerous choice because of their complacency. They were just saying, oh, well, if you want us to keep that law, Mr. Judaizer, okay, we can do that. That kind of makes sense. We trust you. We're not going to check what our apostle says. We're not going to check what the Bible says. We just trust you. We'll do what you want us to do. Right? They were being complacent. They weren't paying any attention, and, and choosing grace does not mean that we need to live Sorry, choosing grace does not mean we no longer need to live up to a standard of behavior. Choosing grace means our standard of behavior does not provide us grace. This is what we spoke about last week. 
right? Why do we do what we do? We do what we do because we are in a relationship with God, because we love Him, because we care about His feelings and what He wants for our lives, amen? But we don't do these things so we earn God's grace, so we earn favor. We don't read our Bible because we want to tick a checks box. We read our Bible because we're in relationship with God. We want to know more about Him. We don't pray because we want to tick a little checkbox that says, yes, I've spent my 15 minutes in prayer today. No, we pray because we want to communicate with God. And we want God to communicate with us, right? Amen. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that when we live in grace, it doesn't mean we no longer need to live up to a standard of behavior. Of course we do. But it's the motivation that's different. Because if we are living up to a standard of behavior... Because we want to earn grace, it's not going to work. God doesn't work like that. So what Paul did do was he talked to them about righteousness by faith and faith that works by love. How many of you here know that love is the greatest motivator? We spoke a little bit about this last week. There are things my wife asks me to do that I wouldn't want to do in the flesh because I love her. I do it. Hello? You're all looking at me like I'm crazy. Mm. How many of you have tried to change something about yourself because you've entered into a new relationship? How many of you, after you got married, I, I'm not going to pick on the newly married couples, I'll pick on other people. When you first get married, how many of you changed something about yourself because you wanted to please the person you were marrying. Now I see husbands and wives looking at each other, giggling and you know, elbows in the shoulder and stuff like that. <laughs> right, we do that, right? Because love motivates us. It motivates us to change. It motivates us, amen? And you know, one man professed that his wife liked his hair styled a certain way. And that's why he wore it like that. When we grow in faith, we should grow in love for the Lord. It is by this love that we are willing to live a life that is pleasing to Him. Not out of a sense of obligation, but out of the love that we have for our Lord. But the fruit of that relationship, the fruit of living for God and doing what He asks of us because we love Him, the result of that is the works of love. Stick with me here. The reason we do what we do for God is because we love Him. Not because we want to earn His favor. Not because we want to be saved. Not because we want to have grace. We do these things because we love God. And when we live like that, stick with me now. When we live like that, doing these things, reading our Bible, spending time in prayer, faithfully attending church gatherings, being involved in what's going on in the work of the kingdom. When we live like that because we love God, the fruit of that is the works of love in our life. Or in other words, if the way that we are living our life to please God is because we love Him, we will begin to serve one another and care for this world, care for people who we work for out of love because love for the others around us and love for the people who we are with every day is the outflow of a relationship with God that is based on love. Amen? Amen. Love compels us to serve one another and it even fulfills the Lord. 
See, this is the thing. So often, we try, we try and live. I just got to tick this, this checkbox and do this checkbox where we don't understand that if we just do these things because we love God and we serve one another with love, we are fulfilling what God requires of us. It's in the Bible. Look at this, Galatians. I read it already. I'll read it again. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Say amen when you're there. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Why? For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those were the words of Jesus. Remember, they came to him. This is what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When we love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, that's what Paul's talking about. That's why we do what we do, because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our strength. The outflow of that love is in love for our brothers and our sisters around us, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus said, on this hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in the law and the prophets can be summed up in that. Love God, love other people. And we love other people best when we love God. And we serve God because He first loved us. Amen? Amen. Our faith should produce love. This is the part. Our faith should produce love. And our love should compel us and motivate us to live a righteous life. And part of that righteous life is serving one another. John talked about the sacrifice that Jesus made. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. Throughout the New Testament, we see this example of serving one another. And this selfless serving of one another, again, it's motivated by the love of God in our hearts. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love one for another. Amen? Amen. And so, it is when we cultivate our relationship with God through love, not because we want to tick a box, but we cultivate our relationship with God through love. When we do that, love becomes at the forefront of our efforts. Love for God, love for our brothers and sisters around us. Someone say amen. amen. It's this love that helps us walk in the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about today, walking in the Spirit. You cannot walk in the Spirit unless you love one another. You can't. Because loving one another flows from a heart that loves God. And that lives a righteous life looking to please God for no other reason than because we want to please Him. So faith flows from loving God and serving Him. And it flows out to the people around us. Which means we can't walk by faith. We can't walk by the Spirit 
unless we love one another. That's the fruit. That's the fruit, amen. Galatians 5.16. Paul writes, he says, I say then, this is right after he's just finished saying, serve one another in love. All of the law is fulfilled in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul then goes on in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so it comes around full circle. Because we love God, we are motivated to live a righteous life. Because we are living a righteous life, we love one another. We care for the body of Christ. We care for unbelievers. We care for the lost. That love of God flows out from us. And then we can walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, it becomes easier to live for God, to stand against temptation, to not fall into sin when it's coming from a heart that only does what God wants because we love Him. But when we take a legalistic point of view, we are relying on our own strength and we're saying, I'm just going to tick this box, I'm going to tick this box, I'm going to tick this box. And we begin to look at people below us and we say, oh, well, you're not ticking the boxes that I'm ticking. You're not good as me. And we look at the people above us and go, well, you're just a goody two-shoes, just so spiritual. Because we're trying to look after ourselves by ticking the box. As a result, we don't love one another. We don't serve one another. And then we try and walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And it's impossible. It's hard. You can't do it because you're relying on yourself. You're trying to stand on your own strength and your own ability. And so it flows full circle. You find it easier to live for God when you are living a life of freedom based in grace, living a righteous life, walking in the Spirit. And doing these things because you love God. Amen. Think about it like this. We've got, we, we've got to maintain. We've got to work on these things, right? I'm not saying don't pray. I'm saying you need to pray. But it's the motivation that's important, right? When you get up out of bed in the morning, I don't know about you, but I've got to put my socks on. I have never once in my entire life just held my foot out and my socks jumped on my foot automatically. It just doesn't happen. I've got to do it. I've got to work at some of these things to make them happen. Amen. But it's, it's, it's these things when we walk in the Spirit. This is what walking in the Spirit means. It means clothing ourselves with the Spirit and saying, Okay, God, I'm going to follow your will. I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to follow your direction. Amen. Why? Because it's coming from a heart that's motivated to do these things because we love God. Amen. This is why we pray. It helps us walk in the Spirit. This is why we read our Bible. It helps us walk in the Spirit. And we get into this loop where it's just easier to live for God. Because we're walking in the Spirit, we're loving God, we're doing what He wants us to do. As a result, we love other people, we continue to listen to God's Spirit, we begin to keep listening to Him, following Him, and we're walking in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. We've got to clothe, clothe ourselves in the Spirit. Because if we don't, here's the warning that Paul gives us. He lists these things. He doesn't hold back. Look at this. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 19. 
writes this. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Which are? And he lists them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfful ambitions, selfish ambitions, sorry, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelry, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty direct, isn't it? And they seem quite extreme. But can I tell you that these temptations usually come to us in subtle things, subtle ways. This is why this whole loop of living for God by grace and seeking to do the things that are in His Word because we love Him is so important because it leads us to love one another, which leads us to walk in the Spirit. But when we become weak in the Spirit, these are the things that begin to manifest in our lives. These are the things that begin to show up and we begin to get tempted by these things and the voices become a little bit louder saying, just do this, it's okay. It doesn't matter, no one needs to know. And we begin to fall away. We begin to struggle. These things get a hold of us. Amen. Why? Because we become weak in the Spirit. This is why it is important. Because ultimately, this is what keeps you out of the kingdom of heaven. No one is not saved because God doesn't love them. The Bible says, for God so loved the whole world. The Bible says in 1 Peter that he's long-suffering towards us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? God loves the world. There's no mistaking around that. He's not willing that any should perish. But this is what keeps us out of the kingdom of God, not because God wants us out of the kingdom of God, but because we try to live our lives ticking boxes. And that leads us to not really love God. It becomes an obligation. That leads us to not loving and serving one another. That leads us to not walking in the Spirit. That leads us to getting tempted and falling in these kind of areas. That is how you know when these things start cropping up in your life and you begin to feel like you're more tempted about these things and these things begin to happen. That's when you know, hold up, I need to check here. Am I just mechanically reading my Bible just to tick a box? Or do I need to make sure I'm reading it because I want to be in relationship with God? Where am I standing? Am I standing in liberty or am I standing in some sort of legalistic, got to tick a box to make God happy so I'm saved? Mm. See, the problem is, is that when we are just ticking the boxes in life, the danger is that we can begin to try and justify these things that happen in our life, these works of the flesh. Well, I read my Bible all week. I spent my 15 minutes in prayer. I'm going to church. What does it matter if there's a little adultery? See, this is the path that you end up on. And that's why it becomes dangerous. And that's quite an extreme example, right? But these kind of things, they start in the mind and they start in the heart. What does it matter if I, you know, lose my temper? 
What does it matter if I do this? So what does it matter if I have a bad attitude towards the pastor? I'm ticking my checkboxes. I'm at church every Sunday. Hello? That's okay. God doesn't care about that because I've ticked all my God boxes this week. We begin to justify and we begin to, to tolerate things that really we need to avoid. But then Paul goes on, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm glad he does. Because he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, what? The fruit of walking in the Spirit. The fruit of a life where you are serving God because you love Him. And therefore you are serving one another out of love. And therefore you are walking in the Spirit. The fruit of a life like that, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Right? He's saying, if you've got these things in your life, you can understand you're not living by a law. You're not living just to do checkboxes. You're living in grace. You're standing by faith in freedom. Amen. But here's the gotcha. As believers... We need to learn to self-evaluate our lives and go, do I have the fruit of walking in the Spirit? Do I have love? Do I have peace? Do I have joy? Do I have long-suffering? Am I patient with people? Am I faithful? Am I good? Am I a good person? Do I treat people well? Do I have self-control? This is how you know. And when you don't see that fruit, you got to stop and go, well, back up. Because if you don't have that, you'll have the opposite. Hello? That's why it's important to self-evaluate, to be able to look at these things and go, okay, back up here. i got to make sure I've got the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? We need to become like navigators. Like, you know, you know how you, you put an address into the GPS? It's a bit too modern, isn't it? Let's go back a couple of decades. You get a map out, and you look at the map, and you go, okay, I need to go up here about that far, then I need to take a left uh, around the roundabout, then I've got to take the third exit and the next roundabout, and my destination's on the left. We've got to navigate. You've got to get the compass, which is God's Word, and hold it up to your life and go, okay, how am I lining up here? Am I on course still? Am I, am I maybe swaying off a little bit? It's like my old pastor, Pastor Morris, used to tell me. He said, you know, navigators, when they're on the boat, they've got to be on the exact heading they need to be on. Because if they're off by just the slightest amount, by the time they get to their destination, they'll miss the destination by hundreds of miles. Because you're taking a long trip all the way down. And if you are just off slightly... By the time you get to your destination, you're miles off course. Amen. We've got to learn to hold the Word of God up to our life and say, hang on, Lord. Do I have the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Or am I seeing an evidence of the lack of the fruit of the Spirit in my life? In that case, I need to reevaluate. I need to readjust God. Help me, Lord. I want to be in relationship with you because I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. Not because we want to check a tick, check a Tick a checkbox. There it is. We got there eventually. But because we want to serve God. Because we want to live for God. Amen. What that means 
is that in order to live and to walk by the Spirit, we must make deliberate choices. We've got to choose to follow God's Word. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We're going to seek the kingdom of God first. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. We've got to make choices every day to decide. I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want to walk in the Spirit. That means I'm going to make a choice to serve God out of love. I'm going to make a choice to follow what God's Word says for my life. I'm going to work on that because I'm believing God is going to do a work in my heart out of grace. Amen? Amen. Too often we can convince ourselves that our choice to live for God is just kind of a a one-off decision that happens at the new birth experience. No. It's a decision every day. Today I'm going to serve God because I love God. Today I'm going to serve God because I love God. Today I'm going to live for God because I love Him, because I want Him in my life, because I want a relationship. The reality is, is we make choices whether to walk in the Spirit every day. We just don't realize it half the time. But we do, one way or another. Amen. The key. And we're going to finish up with this. Why don't we all stand this morning? The key to any successful relationship is communication. How many of you that are married know that? Amen. You got to talk to one another. Communication is key. This is why prayer is so important. But I want to encourage you, and, and I guess this is the thrust of what I want to talk about today. I want to encourage you to spend time in prayer with God. Not because you want to tick a box. Because you want to be close to God. You know, I'm convinced that there are so many things in life that we put ourselves through simply because we're not close to God. We're distant. We haven't been to Him in prayer for a week, two weeks, three weeks, six months. I don't know, however long. I find in my life, the closer I am to God, the easier it is to hear His Spirit. And to walk where He's directing me. And to listen to His voice. And to see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in my life. But I've seen in my life over the years that I've lived for God, in those times where my prayer life is struggling, and I'm not on my knees in prayer to the Lord. Not because I want to. Tick a checkbox. I've got to get my tongue tied around that, aren't I? But because I just want to be in His presence. I just want to know Him. I just want to be there with Him. I want to hear His voice. That's all. No real reason. How many times have you ever got down on your knees to pray and just begun to worship the Lord and say, Lord, i got nothing to ask you today. I don't want to ask you for anything. I just want to be in your presence. Just talk to me, Lord. Just let me hear your voice. As I worship you, as I sing, Lord, just let your presence be with me. All I want to be is with you, Lord. You know, imagine what a relationship with a husband or wife would be like if the only thing you ever did was ask them to do something for you. All you ever did was, can you take out the trash, please, honey? Yes, darling, no problems. You get back in. Can you do the dishwasher, please, honey? Yes, no problems, dear. I'll do that for you. By the way, could you wash the dishes, please? Yes, honey, I'll wash the dishes for you. No problems. 
Oh, by the way, darling, the dog needs to be done. You've got to, you've got to wash the dog. He's a bit dirty. Okay, darling, I'll wash the dog as well. What kind of relationship would that be? Of course we ask God for things. We need to ask God for stuff. He says you have not because you ask not. But let's just not treat God like a vending machine where we put in a prayer and get a response. So let's spend some time just, God, I just want to be in your presence. You know, some of the best times I have with my wife is when we just sit and chat about whatever enters our mind. It's the same with God. When we could just sit with God and just say, God, I wanted to share this with you. God, what do you think? God, have a look at this. God, I just want to be with you. I just want to feel your presence. Prayer is so important. Reading God's Word is important. It feeds our mind. You ever heard that expression, garbage in, garbage out? What are you feeding your mind? Read your Bible. Why? Because God will speak through His Word. Not because we want to just tick a checkbox. There it is, I got it right that time. But because we want to hear from Him. Because we want to read what He says. Finally, Fellowship with other believers is important as well. We had a great time in church the last three nights. Just setting up, cleaning, building. It was fun. You know, there's things I've learned I can't do. You know, I was looking at some of the tools Brother Jelko was using. I was like, I'm glad I'm not doing that. I would probably cut a finger off. <laughs> right? But just hanging out, spending time together. You heard that expression, birds of a feather flock together. We're birds of a feather. Me and Brother Stan, we're birds of a feather. We've got the same kind of values, the same kind of feelings. We get concerned about the same things. I like to hang out with this guy. Me and Brother Kenneth, we're birds of a feather. We don't look a whole lot alike. He's in green, I'm in blue. But we're good friends. We hang out because we stand for the same things. We share the same values. God's Word is important to us as brothers, amen? That's why we need to be with one another, spend time with one another, have fellowship with one another, amen? This is why things like prayer walks are important. Yeah, we're praying, that's great, but we're having breakfast together as well. We're chatting, we're spending time together, we're walking and talking and praying together over our community. All these kind of things are good. Why? Because we build one another up. We care for one another. We love one another, amen. And we can help one another live for God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just lift our hands. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.